for another Republican. <clears throat> People playing Michael the GOP in big writes, numbers. I used to be Republican until Trump became president and all GOP stood by him. Alfred Aragon. What are the latest numbers in GOP fleeing the party? I looked it up and there was a exodus right after January 6th. But I heard that had slowed down, but there was an exodus. Right. I am 71 years of age. I left the Republican Party in 2016. I saw what Trump was then. I am so disappointed in what the Republican Party has become. Diane LaMare writes, My son is, was a Republican and voted for Trump in 2016, even though he was raised in a Democratic household. My son was in the... Everyone should be alarmed at this rise in fascism. And the fact that our Justice Department seems to be asleep. Call them and wake them up. Army and was stationed in Iraq. It made him sick when Trump was in France to honor Americans who served in World War I and refused to go to the service because it was raining and he was afraid of getting his hair wet. He was appalled what Trump was doing and saying as president. My son now says even if somehow the Republican put up a great candidate in place of Trump, he would not vote for them. He says he's never voting Republican again because it's not the same party anymore. He he now considers himself a Democrat. He voted for Biden in 2020. Diane, thank you for sharing that story. When running a business, your employees oh, no. can create all kinds of interesting vote Democrat until the MAGA thugs are no longer in control. Rita Blue Bingham writes, I was a Republican, but on January 6th, I watched the people trying to take the government down. My heart dropped and I started to feel sick. I knew I had to get out of the party. I am a proud Democrat now. Jim Adams writes, I voted Republican my whole life until Trump came on the scene. I was appalled by the 2016 primary debates. I also used to work in my local voting district, but now they change the boundaries if any area begins to show a democratic voice it must change connie johnson writes my mom was a lifelong republican until after january 6th within a couple of days after this horrific event she promptly registered as a democrat she turned 86 at the end of april 2023 missy pop writes i am a senior citizen who never felt the need to vote in my life that all changed when trump came on the political scene i have voted against him twice and will continue to do so so as long as necessary. Kevin Patrick writes, I left the GOP in 2016 after 38 years because I'm an American before I'm anything else. Trump was the last straw. Greg 
Rick Smith writes, voted Republican for 55 years, no more. These people are sick. Denise Baker writes, yeah. I'm a registered Republican since I was 18. My grandparents were Republicans. I always voted Republican in my younger years, but I started voting Democratic because I think they care about the working people, not millionaires. I've never liked Trump even before he was president. The ego of this man is so unreal. Let's get all the MAGA Republicans yeah, out exactly. of office. Dick writes, I am a 70-year-old, I'm a 78-year-old Navy veteran. I was a registered Republican from the day that I could first vote, up until events of the past few years. I could say that the number of Democrats I voted for could be counted on one hand. Hell, I voted for Richard Nixon twice, and I do it again. Ew. The MAGA Republican Party lost me the day Trump was elected, and I am now a registered independent. I will never vote for another Republican. Michael Navarro writes, I used to be Republican until Trump became president and all GOP stood by him. Alfred Aragon writes, I am 71 years of age. I left the Republican Party in 2016. I saw what Trump was then. I am so disappointed in what the Republican Party has become. Diane LaMere writes, my son is was a Republican outraged. and voted for Trump in 2016, even though he was raised become. in a Democratic household. My son was in the army and was stationed in Iraq. It made him sick when Trump was in France to honor Americans who served in World War One and refused to go to the service because it was raining and he was afraid She's of getting his fucking hair umbrella, wet. Bitch. He was appalled what Trump was doing and saying as president. My son now says even if somehow the Republican put up a great candidate in place of Trump, he would not vote for them. He says he's never voting Republican again because it's not the same party anymore. He mm. now considers himself a Democrat. He voted for Biden in 2020. Diane, thank you for sharing that story. When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, yeah. like getting complaints because someone on the team always I smells hot. I gag whenever I hear or see or <laughs> read anything related to Donald Trump. I left the Republican Party and became an independent seven years ago. BU123 writes, I am a 40-year-old married man with four kids from the suburbs of New York City. I was a Republican from the time I could vote till 2015. I drive a pickup truck. A pickup truck. I hunt bow and rifle. I feel strongly about the Second Amendment, but I understand it must have its limitations. In 2015, I saw the lies written on the wall and watched as the country devolved into what Trump made it. I registered as an independent then and find myself leaning left on many issues, something I couldn't imagine <laughs> seven years ago. Wow. Uh, this per 102 writes, I was a Republican for over 40 years and am now independent voting blue for our democracy. Here's a great story by JC. I was a Republican. I did not vote for Trump. I have a lot of reasons for disliking Trump, but I left the party when I saw Republicans backing him up, lying for him, even legally shielding him from laws he broke. He ran the White House like a gaudy, with all of his fixers surrounding him yeah. getting salaries we pay for loyalty. I saw it clear, and I know my party saw it too. 
That is why I left. I lost all trust in my party. The reasons for me being in that party no longer matter when the people in the party do not represent it any longer. They now represent corruption, hate, and lies. They went so far into their prejudice that they have now put a target on the bodies of women. And I do believe the end goal after not allowing women to work in high-paying jobs or as a lead is to not allow women to drive or even vote. They will sacrifice as many lives like and bodies saddies. as they must to keep a racist, lying POS who cares only about money and himself more than the Constitution that they swore an oath yeah. to protect. Rundo, Texas writes, Fucking demons. As a lifelong conservative, Republican, I'm 70. I broke with that party during the primaries in 2016, and I never looked back. Thank you, Midas Touch, for being the most truthful and informative news organization in our country. Vote Democrat, y'all. Robin Seagrave writes, Raising my hand as someone who left the Republican Party in California, just re-registered as a Democrat, dismayed and aghast by the insanity of the GOP. Christopher Clacco writes, I'm an independent who did not vote for Obama either time. I saw the orange menace for what he was and voted for Biden. After January 6th, I became more attentive to politics. And after what I've seen in the last two years, I will never vote. For another Republican. Sally yeah, Etheridge writes, on. After 50 years, I Traitors. will never vote Republican again. I live in Florida, and DeSantis is even worse than Trump. Shelly Mendoza writes, My Republican mother voted for Biden. To tell the truth, writes, I'm a lifelong independent who voted both Republican and Democrat. I will never vote Republican again ever. Gregory Branch writes, as a senior citizen and veteran, I can't fathom voting Republican. Charlie H. McGee III writes, I was a registered Republican for 47 years, but switched in 2018 to participate in the Democratic midterm primaries. That was where my vote helped the most. On the Republican side, I saw choices between those who would abandon democracy and those who would silently enable the same. Jill Lockbert writes to us, I was raised as a Republican. My mom campaigned for Barry Goldwater. I remained Republican until the MAGA movement. I changed to Independent five years ago. Kevin Willis writes, I was a lifelong Republican until Trump became president in 2017. At that point, I can no longer support what the Republican Party became. Cheesy Nickname writes, my sister and her husband have switched from Republican to Independent. They agree that Trump is nuts <laughs> and they want us to get back to following the Constitution. The click writes, myself and a few others in my family who were lifelong Republicans have bailed. We won't return until a candidate runs who doesn't suffer from Trumpism. Deborah Stout writes, I was a lifelong Republican, but I never liked any cable news networks. I also knew exactly what kind of horrible person Trump is. So on the day he became the Republican nominee for president, I quit the party. I'm now at age 75, a true blue Democrat. John Dennis Jr. writes, I had voted Republican since 1972, and they lost me with Trump. I thought it was a joke. It wasn't. Then we voted him out after one term, and it got worse. How does this happen? My other question to you is the opposite of what you asked. 
How many Democrats or independents have converted to the Republican Party since Trump appeared? <laughs> I cannot name a single one in my circle of contacts. Girl? That's a great point right there. Tanya yeah. Hansen writes, my sister is 51 and has never voted. She began voting after Trump won in 2016. She has several young girls in her family. When the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, she finally opened her eyes to how sinister this GOP was and decided for the first time ever that her voice and vote needed to be heard. So she is now an informed voter and Democrat. And finally, Richard L. writes, as a conservative, independent and discerning Christian, I say I will never vote for a MAGA. And he says, make America gullible again or MAF, make America fake Republican. I will vote for someone like John Kasich, but not traitor Trump or DeSatan. Thank you, everybody, for sharing those comments with baby us girl. and if you watching this uh, or listening to this have a similar story please share it in the comments below and regardless share in the comments below how you feel about this and what your response and reaction uh, is to all of those responses that we received here at the Midas Touch Network you know as I've always said we here at the Midas Touch Network our ideology is pro-democracy. It's normalcy, it's compassion, it's intelligence, and it's decency. It's that simple. And the way the media talks about, on the one hand, you've got liberals and progressives. On the other hand, you've got conservatives and you've got Democrats, Republicans. The paradigms that the media is using is, are incorrect for the present moment. Right now, you have a pro-democracy coalition, which is made up of liberals, progressives, conservatives, independents, people not affiliated with political parties, people who don't even like these labels, who are just like, I care about normalcy and I care about our constitution. That's the pro-democracy party, right? Like where you could have people who disagree on issues, but fundamentally care about our country, care about our democracy, and oppose this MAGA Right? Pro-democracy coalition. On the other side, you've got MAGA Republicans, which are authoritarians, and they're against democracy. And that's it. They're not conservative. You don't call Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and Matt Gates and Jim Jordan and Donald Trump. There's nothing conservative about their views. So the don't fascist. call them conservative. Like, they stop calling them that label. Um, and within the pro-democracy coalition, again, you can have conservative, liberal. We, we, could all, we could all want to support our democracy, have disagreements, but ultimately, at the end of the day, say, what can we do to further our country? And look at what's going on with these MAGA Republicans. It's not a normal Republican Party. And again, thank you everybody for sharing your comments. Uh, beautifully, beautifully stated. And it was an honor to share your thoughts. I'll, I'll share them again next weekend. 
But make sure you share your stories with me, and I will make another episode uh, like this. Thanks so much for watching. Make sure you hit subscribe. We're on our way to 1.5 million subscribers here. Thanks to your awesome support. Check us out as well at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. And wherever you get audio podcasts, subscribe to the Midas Touch podcast as well. It's easy to search Midas Touch podcast. All right. Thank you for watching. Hit subscribe on our YouTube channel. It is free, and have a great day. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report. Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch. Keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. Tired of constantly worrying about your blood sugar levels and struggling to lose weight. It's time to take control of your health and well-being with an all-natural bedtime ritual that can help you achieve your health Stop goals. Check. The secret lies in the ability Ayo. of this... Okay, let's go for uh, touch and anything else new. Um, playlist. People playing Geodegas Major Bust in January 6th prosecutions two hours ago. Great. I'm Ben Lysellis <laughs> from the Midas Touch Network. The Department of Justice just got a major bust in their ongoing criminal investigation into those Let's involved bust away. in the January 6th insurrection. And this one is always quite sad when you find out how the police were actually working with these insurrectionists, how some used their badge to help aid and abet this domestic terrorism. And the individual uh, who was just arrested for uh, multiple counts of obstruction of justice, just indicted by a uh, grand jury in Washington, D.C., was a former lieutenant in the District of Columbia Metropolitan Police Department by the name of Shane Lamond. And uh, Shane Lamond had over 500 separate text communications and encrypted chat communications that the Department of Justice was able to get their hands on between Lamond and Enrique Tario, who was just convicted of seditious conspiracy, the leader of the Proud Boys, and they were communicating from July 2019 through the January 6th insurrection, and Lamond had lots of information about the crimes being committed by Tario. Lamond was providing Tario with uh, confidential information regarding the Metropolitan Police Department's investigation into the Proud Boys. He was helping the Proud Boys uh, try to avoid hate crime charges based on conduct they engaged in before the January 6th insurrection. He was keeping Enrique Tario up to date regarding what was going on with the January 6th insurrection. Here, I'm just going to pull up one of the text messages that were exchanged between Lamond and Tario. Uh, and this criminal indictment, which was just unsealed, has many, many, many of these text messages that took place. And uh, some of the text messages, they weren't able to even retrieve the DOJ wasn't because uh, they all took place, a lot of them took place on encrypted applications such as Telegram and some were set to be deleted, others were not deleted. Um, but look at this message here, pull it up. 
uh, where the Lamon, when he was working at the Metropolitan Police Department for the District of Columbia Police Department, says, looks like the feds are locking people up for rioting at the Capitol. I hope none of your guys were among them, Ontario goes. So far from what I'm seeing and hearing, we are good. And Lamont says, great to hear. Of course, I can't say it officially, but personally, I support you all and don't want to see your group's name and reputation dragged through the mud. Here, let's pull up this criminal indictment right now out of the United States District Court for the District of Columbia, United States versus Shane Lamont. Grand jury returns uh, count one and count two. You see obstruction of justice and making false statements. And the false statements also relate to the fact that once uh, the Department of Justice were able to get Enrique Tarrio's communications and they linked uh, Enrique Tarrio's communications with Shane Lamont. Shane Lamont then started lying about those communications and despite their being like hundreds and hundreds of text messages that the DOJ was aware about. I'll just read from uh, paragraph 65, 66, and 67 from the indictment. Paragraph 65 on June 2nd, 2021, when federal law enforcement officers interviewed Lamond about his contacts with Tario, Lamond knowingly and willfully made several false and misleading statements to them as described below. When asked whether his conversation with, when asked whether in his conversations with Tario, it was common for Tario to fish for information, Lamont responded, "No, not really. He never really asked questions about, like, you know, what we were doing or anything. It was more, you know, one-sided. It was just him telling me." you know, what their plans were. In fact, Lamont knew since at least July 2020, Lamont regularly provided sensitive law enforcement information to Tario. Paragraph 67. When asked how he would typically communicate with Tario, Lamont misleadingly stated, either by phone or, I'm trying to think, never by email. I can't remember. I think sometimes it was by text, too. I, I don't remember. When then asked specifically whether Lamond and Tario used Telegram or another encrypted messaging service, Lamond misleadingly stated, I think Telegram, maybe. In fact, as Lamond knew by November 2020, Lamond and Tario communicated exclusively by Telegram. And the indictment points out and shows the messages. We're talking about hundreds and hundreds of messages. Just going through this indictment right here. Focus you on the key parts here, and then afterwards, I want to speak more broadly with you about the Republicans wanting to defund the Department of Justice and defund the FBI specifically because of arrests like this, uh, where the modern day MAGA Republican Party supports law enforcement officers. Uh, engaging in a betrayal of their badge and disgracing uh, their badge the way Shane Lamond did here, aiding and abetting domestic terrorists, seditious conspiracists like uh, Enrique Tarrio. Uh, it says that Lamond supervised the intelligence branch of the Metropolitan Police Department's Homeland Security Bureau. Just think about the important job Lamond held. Like, not only was he a lieutenant, he supervised the intelligence branch 
of NPD's Homeland Security Bureau. And as the lieutenant in charge of the intelligence branch, uh, LeMond's responsibilities included supervising NPD's efforts to gather information about the various potential terrorist threats in Washington, D.C. And so one of those uh, included a December 2020 event where there were uh, protests taking place and where uh, people supportive of Black Lives Matter were there and then where the Proud Boys and other terrorist groups showed up to try to threaten uh, those groups. And so in connection with that incident, and, and you may remember this as well, Enrique Tarrio was that was, wasn't actually there during the January 6th insurrection in Washington, D.C., and the reason was because he was arrested in connection with burning uh, Black Lives Matter uh, banners, uh, and then he announced on his social media platform that he did it. He stole these banners, and then he burned them. He was eventually arrested for that, and then there was a court order uh, precluding him from being in Washington, D.C. Uh, on January 6th in connection with his arrest for this incident that took place in uh, December of 2020 where he and the Proud Boys stole uh, these Black Lives Matter banners and uh, ripped them up. And then, you know, within this indictment, if you go to, like, paragraph 20, you'll see the types of conversations that they had. So around the time, Lamont told Tario, just giving you a heads up, there's a lot of attention at the bar right now. If it doesn't come down, they're going to shut the bar down. Just wanted to let you know, I heard the District of Columbia alcohol beverage regulations are already on scene. Um, they talk about, uh, this is on the evening of December 11th, Tario using Telegram informed Lamont that Tario and members of the Proud Boys, they were going to, quote, we're going to have a briefing tonight at 10.30 on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. Um, it goes on to talk about more of these communications that they had. Lamont, for example, this is paragraph 30, Lamont says to Tario, hey brother, did you call in an anonymous tip on MPD claiming responsibility for the banner burning? Tario, I did more than that. It's on my social media. <laughs> Lamont, I got you. Someone called in an anonymous tip saying that you claimed responsibility for it. Tario, this wasn't a hate crime and I want to see it play out. Lamont, I'm curious to see what happens too. I will check with our criminal investigations division people if they have you on video. Look at your nail. And wow. you'll be able to see if more wrinkles and saggy skin are on the way. Listen, most women don't consider their nail care a part of their anti-aging routine. Yet, I think this is a big mistake, and here's why. No. The indictment goes on to talk about how Lamont then told uh, people within the department not to uh, focus on the hate crime, but instead to focus, and this is what it says in the indictment and what Lamont was saying, to focus on Antifa and that uh, Antifa was also burning things, and that's what they wanted to focus on. Um, on December 20th, 2020, from 4.40 p.m. to 4.51 p.m., Lamont and Tario exchanged the following encrypted message. Tario, Miami-Dade PD reached out. I'm going to use my fifth. I'll be in D.C. on the 6th. Uh, if you want to talk to me, they can see me there. If Metropolitan Police want to talk to me, they can see me there. Are they pushing the hate crime thing? Lamont, give me a call when you can. Tario, 
through here, and they, again, have conversations, um, again, focusing on uh, trying to downgrade a hate crime to a misdemeanor, and then ultimately, even though LeMond was aware that Tario engaged in all this conduct because he admits to it in these encrypted messages, um, he doesn't tell anybody within his department, and he tries to cover up for uh, Tario. Uh, and all these messages are here. He, he, here's another message that they had. On January 7, 2021, using Telegram, Lamond and Tario exchanged the following message, paragraph 61. Tario, I think I could have stopped this whole thing, referring to the insurrection. Lamond, I don't know, bro. You know, it's effing bad when someone was the voice of reason, they wouldn't listen to him. He got on the bullhorn and urged everyone to stop attacking the police and march around the U.S. Capitol, and they ignored him. How you holding up? I checked your charges, and the possession of high-capacity mags is a felony. Tario responds, so gay. Tario says, yeah, but I have guys I can line up. He doesn't. LOL. Lamont, that's true. Yesterday was a total shit show. And they go on to talk about the insurrection. And again, the fact that you have a police officer demonstrating sympathy with the insurrection and trying to cover up for Enrique Tario, a terrorist, a domestic terrorist, is uh, something that is so completely, completely disappointing, shocking. But let's go to this other point I wanted to talk about. And this is... Um, the MAGA Republicans have talked about disbanding the FBI, abolishing the FBI. Here, I'll just show you. Here is MAGA Republican Tim Burchett about defunding the FBI. Play this clip. We have the power of the purse, Maria. Um, the Congress is, has, is, is this country's checkbook, and we can start cutting funds to the FBI. They've... You know, they bungled so many cases as of late, and they continue to do so, and their arrogance is such that I think the, uh, uh, you know, it's not the rank-and-file FBI agents. They're generally very patriotic Americans, and um, I know many of them in my area, and they are hard-working, patriotic folks. It's this top level of arrogance that we've, we've seen, and it is the swamp. It does exist, and, and that's what we'll have to do. We'll have to start cutting their checkbook a little bit just to get them to the table if that's what it takes, and I'm for that because they have um, they, they've just not done their duty. Here's MAGA Republican Chris Stewart uh, talking about it, play the clip. But when people say it's time to disband the FBI to delegate those authorities to others such as U.S. Marshals, there's a growing number of people in Congress who begin to feel this way. And the, and the reason being is, as we go back to accountability, they look at what they've done in the last 10 years. My gosh, you could go back to Martin Luther King and then blackmailing Martin Luther King. And then we ask, well, are they going to do it again in 2024? And if, if they aren't, or if they intend to, how do we plan to stop them? And uh, once again, for those who say, you know, maybe the FBI, we could delegate those authorities and actually completely defund them. You can understand why American people feel that way about that. And then, of course, it's spread on the propaganda network of uh, Fox. Play this clip. And I think a lot of people rightly are calling for the FBI to be defunded and maybe, you know, a new uh, premier law enforcement agency will come up in its, in its wake, uh, Stephen Miller, because unfortunately, I, I think it's been so politicized and weaponized, I'm not sure you can even fix it at this point. That was Hannity. Um, but you, you see, th this is the messaging that they've got. I could show you so many, so much more. And ultimately, the reason why they want to abolish the FBI 
abolish the Department of Justice is because they are pursuing criminal investigations and charges like this against Officer LeMond and uh, former Officer LeMond and against, you know, the Proud Boys, against uh, Oath Keepers, against domestic terrorist groups. Like, I, I, it pains me to say this, but the modern-day Republican Party sympathizes with terrorists, domestic terrorists, and, and the data reflects that. That's not hyperbolic when they say shut down the FBI, shut down the Department of Justice, and then they sing songs with the January 6th insurrectionists, and they applaud these groups like the Proud Boys, that, that, that is sympathizing with them. That's not a, a political position or trying to uh, stir outrage. It's, it's, just, it's just the fact. They're out there singing songs with the January 6th choir. It's, it's, it's horrific, but it's because they want to enable uh, criminal conduct. And specifically, it's uh, arrests like this that they uh, are very, very, very um, against, which is upsetting, <laughs> deeply upsetting. Finally, I just want to give you this reminder. The sentencing dates in the Proud Boys January 6th case Remember, most of them were convicted of seditious conspiracy. Um, all of them were convicted of uh, serious felonies where uh, they'll serve serious, serious jail time. Enrique Tarrio, uh, Ethan Nordian, uh, August 30th is when their sentencing is. Joe Big sentencing August 31st. Zach Rell, August 31st. Dominic Pizzola. September 1st. Expect the Department of Justice and their sentencing memos to ask for serious jail time, and I think for Enrique Tario, who we've been talking about, I think you're going to be looking at around 20 years and, and probably more. Great. So next time on Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network, hit subscribe. We're on our way to 1.5 million subscribers here, thanks to your awesome support. Check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch. Uh, for a lot of great membership stuff. No worries if you can't. Wherever you get your audio podcast, subscribe <laughs> as well to the Midas Touch podcast. That's smarty. Get out of there. Podcast numbers doing great. Thank you for that. Hit subscribe on this YouTube channel and have a great day. Love this video? Then you'll love the Midas Touch podcast. Listen as my brothers and I break down the latest news and chat with top political leaders on the fastest growing pro-democracy podcast in the world. New episodes drop every Tuesday and Friday. Add the Midas Touch podcast right now wherever you listen to your podcast. Can't go? Do this to clear out stuff too fast. Fiber helps you poop, right? Nope. According to New York's top gut doctor... DOJ gets major bust in January 6th prosecutions. Let's go see if they have any other new stuff. Trump can't handle the heat from Jack Smith and Fulton County DA. Um, trending text, Republicans, 28 hours ago, I heard that, Ooh. 
two days ago. Darn. <clears throat> okay, let's do the legal AF from last night. Can't handle the heat. Was with Trump on January 6th and also observed Trump tearing up presidential records throughout Trump's time in office. So, that pretty much just leaves Mark Meadows, Trump's former chief of staff, and a few others as the remaining witnesses for special counsel Jack Smith to put before the grand jury in Washington, D.C. What are you doing in there, guys? MAGA. MAGA stands for Make Attorneys Dead Attorneys. Trump's lawyer, Tim Parlatori, who also testified before the criminal grand jury in federal court in Washington, D.C. back in December of 2022. Well, he resigned this week after Donald Trump went all in on the acknowledging that he stole thousands of government records and he declassified them telepathically. Right, he said that during that so-called CNN town hall and that contradicted statements that Tim Parlatori made to Congress very recently in a letter to the Republican-led House Intelligence Committee and likely also contradicted what Parlatori said to the federal grand jury. Make attorneys get attorneys. Again, that's what MAGA stands for. Rudy Giuliani is the living personification of that concept. He was sued in two new lawsuits this week, one for sexual assault of his former assistant and one lawsuit in federal court from a grocery store worker in Staten Island who Giuliani lied about and claimed that this grocery worker assaulted him back in June 2022 when the worker actually just patted him on the back. And in a separate lawsuit, Giuliani's lawyer quit for not being paid by Giuliani. And in a separate lawsuit for defamation brought by Georgia election workers, Ruby Freeman and Shay Moss, who he defamed, the federal judge ordered Rudy Giuliani to provide his full financial condition under penalty of perjury. He claims he is now too broke to search for documents and electronic records as part of his discovery obligation. Then we go to Georgia. Make attorneys get attorneys. In Georgia, uh, the election worker lawsuit that I just mentioned, brought by Ruby Freeman and Shay Moss against Giuliani, through that case, we also learn that uh, through the third-party subpoena motion practice process, that one of Trump's lead lawyers in Georgia, somebody by the name of Ray Smith III, is also a target in Fulton County District Attorney Bonnie Willis's criminal investigation into Georgia 2020 election interference in this motion filed by Ray Smith's lawyer. And guess who Ray Smith's lawyer is? Actually, a letter sent by Ray Smith's lawyer, a motion filed by Ruby Freeman and Shane Moss's lawyer. Ray Smith's lawyer is Donald Trump's former ambassador to Luxembourg. You uh -huh. see what's going on here. 
uh, it is mentioned that Ray Smith is invoking the Fifth Amendment against self-incrimination and doesn't want to testify in that case. Also, as the Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney rejected Donald Trump's attempt to make more frivolous legal filings in court this week, challenging the special grand jury process, challenging the constitutionality of it, challenging the judge's ability to stay the judge, challenging the Fulton County District Attorney ability to stay on the case. The judge is like, enough is enough. So meanwhile, the Fulton County District Attorney, Fawny Willis, indicated that the indictment against, she didn't say this specifically, but the implication was against Donald Trump and his criminal co-conspirators will likely take place somewhere in the July 31st into August time frame. And she told uh, judges uh, who practice or judges who are there in the Superior Court system in Fulton County, as well as the lawyers in her office, to maybe schedule remote appearances during that time frame. Wow, a lot to discuss, Michael Popak. I'm Ben Mycellus. If you didn't know that, it says it on my shirt. I am Ben. <laughs> Michael Popak, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I think we just did the whole show. We're done. Good night, everybody. See you next week. <laughs> so, on the, uh, uh, on the first segment, time for the Popak Porter Board, about who's testified and who hasn't. We've got the Gang of Eight, right? We've got Luna, Miller, Scavino, Ratcliffe, O'Brien, Cuccinelli, McEntee, and Meadows. Luna having now gone in. Everyone has testified except for McEntee and Meadows. And we'll talk about what all that means next. And that specific group you mentioned are from a assertion of executive privilege that Donald Trump tried to make. He tried to block their testimony. The Department of Justice sought to compel it. The judge ordered that those individuals must testify. Uh, again, Donald Trump losing that motion, and now all of those individuals, most of them have testified, and we're just waiting on a sequence. So as we talk about this episode of Make Attorneys Get Attorneys, I, I was doing that intro. I was just reflecting, like, You've got, like, all these people under investigation, right? Like, or judges have found the crime fraud exception applies, or they've testified before grand juries for their criminal, for their involvement in Donald Trump's uh, alleged criminal schemes. Like, we're talking about Evan Corcoran and Rudy Giuliani, Alina Habba, Christina Bob, Ray Smith, Joe Takapina, Sidney Powell, John Eastman, Jeffrey Clark, Boris Epstein, in some form or fashion, are under scrutiny by judges or disciplinary authorities or the special counsel and it just goes to show you what happens when you don't just represent Donald Trump but you then try to take on that persona and and, and this is just demonstrations of what happens but let's get right into the show Popak I gave a pretty long intro so if you can just tell us what's going on with Nick Luna's testimony before the grand jury and why that was actually very, very important. I love this one. I love this particular uh, witness coming in before the grand jury, stripped of all executive privilege. Here's a great picture for those that are watching us of Nick Luna. He was the uh, personal aide Donald Trump. His job um, in the White House, they used to call it the valet, and then when they uh, made that politically incorrect. They, they called it the personal aide. Donald Trump's had a couple of them, but the one that was his aide while Jan 6 was going on was Nick Luna. He's supposed to be responsible for making Donald Trump comfortable every time he enters a room. He's sort of a little bit of an advanced man. 
carries around all the bag of things that Donald Trump likes to have, whether it's Kleenex or hair dye or face tanning, self-tanning cream or whatever it is Donald Trump likes to have with him. This is the guy that carries it. So he's a fly on the wall in a lot of different rooms. Um, Nick Luna testified, and you and I talked about it back when we talked about the Jan 6 Committee. Nick Luna testified already to the Jan 6 Committee. There's even an audio of his testimony. There's a, there's a transcript of his testimony in which he told the Jan 6 Committee that he observed Donald Trump ripping up presidential documents right before his eyes. Now, that is a problem. For many reasons. One, it's obstruction of justice. Two, it's a violation of the Presidential Records Act, which is at the very heart of Mar-a-Lago and the investigation there. So you've got a witness who under oath says he observed the President of the United States at the time ripping up presidential documents. And then later on, this, this um, that as you know, this dovetails with Maggie Haberman's uh, uh, investigative reporting the New York Times, in which those ripped up pieces of paper, i.e. really important historical presidential records, got shoved down toilets and clogged up toilets when they were being burnt in Mark Meadows' fireplace in his office as the um, chief of staff. Luna also testified to Jan 6, so we presume he's going to do it again, uh, and has done it again before the grand jury is telling the truth, that Mark Meadows on at least one occasion told Luna that he was not to attend a meeting with Donald Trump. normally would have attended and that was a meeting with state legislators in and around November uh, the end of November of uh, 2020 right after the election we know from the White House logs that Trump met with the Pennsylvania Republican delegation on the 25th of November and he met with the Michigan delegation on the 20th of November and one or both of those meetings Mark Meadows instructed Nick Luna not to attend that meeting that Donald Trump was having with those legislators. Look, we know now what that was about. That was the fake elector scandal and or Donald Trump pressuring Republicans in state houses not to recognize Joe Biden's election, not to certify the election, and to find ways to throw it over to the House and then to the state legislatures in order to make himself president and all of that. So that is uh, that is Nick Luna, who's now gone in. And we just went through that, that Popak Porter board with Ben, with you, Ben, about all of the people. The only people now in the Gang of Eight which is uh, chief, then chief judge of the D.C. Circuit Court, Beryl Howell, now Jeff Hosberg, stripped all these people of all of their executive privilege. Most of them are not lawyers, and forced them to testify. They've now all gone in except for, right, McEntee, who is also an aide like Luna, and Meadows. But Ratcliffe, National, uh, National Intelligence Director, O'Brien, National Security Council, Cuccinelli, acting deputy head of the Department of Homeland Security, 
they all went in. Stephen Miller, when he's not busy running a law firm to help white people get their jobs back, uh, he was a, a main aide. A Scabino went in two weeks ago, the guy that probably wrote all the tweets for Donald Trump. And now Nick Luna. And, uh, uh, and everybody that's in that aide position, Ben, I'll leave it on this, has testified or will testify to Jack Smith. Walt Nauta, N-A-U-T-A, who, who was the personal aide Donald Trump after he left the White House at Mar-a-Lago, he's in hot water with Jack Smith about moving those boxes for Mar-a-Lago after they told the Department of Justice that they were under lock and key and, and, safe, and safeguarded and has been caught on video. So that personal aide position, which is like in every room the president is in, is really, really important to prosecutors. And I'm sure that uh, the Nick Luna testimony was compelling. Parlator, you know, we've talked about um, extensively. What's your view of, uh, I want to get your handle on why you think Parlator. Let me just put it this way. Parlator was brought in to be the main Mar-a-Lago counsel, after, especially after Evan Corcoran got stripped of his attorney-client privilege under the crime-fraud exception Hi, and a finding guy. by then-Chief Judge Beryl Howell that he Hi, likely participated guy. or unwittingly at best in a crime-fraud with his client Donald Trump, stripping him of privilege. He had a departure case and no longer handle it. Parlator stepped in to be the lead lawyer. The timeline for departure is really... Weird. I want to hear what you think happened. You've got a letter that Parlator wrote on his letterhead, along with um, Jim Trustee, to the Republican House Subcommittee on Intelligence, asking them to take over the Mar-a-Lago investigation and claiming that it was all just a big mistake. It was an accident. They had the rush to move out of the Hi, White darling. House. They just overpacked the boxes. Donald Trump had nothing to do with it, and this is all much to do about nothing. That's on the 26th of April. But then... Two weeks later, Donald Trump in the CNN town hall says, no, I took all that stuff. I'm allowed to take it. I'm allowed to take it. I took it. I showed it to people and everything is fine. And then a week or two later, Tim Parlator says, I'm out. Now, he had testified that, as everybody knows who follows the show, earlier in December, he testified, but with his attorney-client privilege intact in front of one of Jack Smith's grand juries. Why do you think Parlator left and what do you think Jack Smith does with him now? Well, if you go to the parlatory letter, it is on the parlatory letterhead, not the Jim Trustee letterhead. And it wasn't just Jim Trustee who signed it. It was basically all of the various Trump lawyers signed that letter. But the fact that it was on the parlatory letterhead leads me to believe that was parlatory's legal strategy. And frankly, from a purely technical legal lens, it is the only defense that Donald Trump could make. And so actually pursuing what a good lawyer who is given the set of facts that they are given with respect to Donald Trump and you're told, how would you defend this? You would not say a president, a former president can do whatever the hell they want or a president can declassify things telepathically or the Presidential Records Act. All that means is that you could steal things and then negotiate later. That's simply not what the law is. And I know part of the big lie strategy by Donald Trump and others in Trump's orbit is you just repeat the lie over and over again. But that's simply not what the Presidential Records Act states. And also the crimes Donald Trump is being investigated for, violation of the Espionage Act, obstruction of justice, concealment and mutilation are independent 
federal criminal statutes outside of a presidential record act process where nobody is above the law and you can't steal these records. And then furthermore, Donald Trump directly and or through his lawyers just continued to lie to the National Archives, then to the FBI and the Department of Justice, submitting false affidavits consistently, saying that they've returned things when they didn't return things. So if you're dealt that deck, you play that deck the way Tim Parlatori did. And in the letter he sent to Congress, he wrote, this was all basically a big misunderstanding. He referred to the documents at Mar-a-Lago as being spillage. He blamed the GSA, the General Services Administration, government bureaucracy, White House staff for packing the stuff that shouldn't have been sent to Mar-a-Lago. And then he says in the letter, look, the Department of Justice should have stepped in. This was all a big misunderstanding. It should have been in Congress to begin with. And once the DOJ got its claws on it, they elevated something very quickly to criminal that shouldn't have been criminal. I completely disagree with that premise that, uh, of course, the DOJ should have been involved. I disagree with the premise that it shouldn't have been elevated there. But nonetheless, that is actually from a strictly technical procedure, how you would go about a defense in this case. And look, as part of what we do here at Legal AF, we provide an actual legal education of what, the, of, of what you would do in this situation. Now, you may say, Ben, don't tell Trump what he should do. You're going to be coaching. It, it, it's far past that, okay? Don't worry. He's already done every single thing wrong. Because then what he did was he stepped in to this so-called town hall. And when he was in this town hall, he then basically said, I took what I took. I can take whatever I want to take. I declassified it telepathically. And that timing, Popak, directly contradicts, directly contradicts what Parlatori's letter said and the defense that Parlatori was trying to build step by step. And I think Parlatori basically just said, look, I've been trying to build this with your MAGA allies in the House of Representatives. You are basically unrepresentable. It is impossible to be your lawyer. Good luck everybody else representing him. And I think what he's also worried about too is he testified before the grand jury back in December of 2022, and he probably said things that contradicted what Donald Trump said at that so-called town hall. So Trump's out there, and here's the thing. You may say, well, Trump said these things before. Yeah, well, he's put them in his social media posts, right? He's put them on, on uh, you know, through Truth Social or whatever, he, whatever his apps are, or he said it through his kind of intermediaries, but to have him up there in that so-called town hall saying it, I think to a parlatory, you know, he says, look, they're just going to play that as an exhibit, and not only that, but now Trump is kind of further digging the hole and stepping into even more crime here. The writing's on the wall where special counsel Jack Smith is going with this, because not only did Trump clearly engage in the criminal conduct, but Every day, Trump engages in more crimes. We're only going to add the further indictment. So, so that's ultimately yeah, my. The only analysis. thing I would, mm-hmm. the only thing I would add to that is Tim Parlator is also a fact witness. He is the appointed records custodian because there wasn't one for Donald for Donald Trump 
and um, Beryl Howell, who was at the time supervising mm -hmm. the subpoenas and the search warrant, and now Jeb Boesberg, chief judge of the D.C. Circuit Court. Parlator is the is the is the on the record custodian of record for all documents at Trump Tower, the residence for Donald Trump on Fifth Avenue in New York, at Bedminster, the golf course, at Mar-a-Lago the second time around, and a storage unit paid for by taxpayers in West Palm Beach, and signed that, the way Christine Bob signed it, to say that everything's been searched. And they did find uh, another little mini wave of documents at Mar-a-Lago. They found two documents in um, storage unit in West Palm Beach. And Tim Parlator's name is the bottom of all those as the records custodian. Remember that the government and Jack Smith's prosecutors were pushing the then chief judge to force them to have a records custodian who'd sign on the dotted line under oath that the search had been done. And I'm wondering now if Tim Parlator is having second thoughts, having made himself not just the lawyer, but also crossed over to becoming a fact witness, much the way that Alina Haba became a fact witness when in New York, Evan she had to go Parker. to Mar-a-Lago right in the middle of the, just prior to <laughs> the search warrant being executed to go search through Donald Trump's desk for things responsive to the civil fraud case by Letitia James. You know, this, this is another theme. The one theme that you've brought forward in our intro is make attorneys get attorneys. The other theme is, if you're a lawyer, try to not be a fact witness in your client's own case. This will <laughs> only get you in trouble. <laughs> and Donald Trump, though, makes that impossible because most criminals, once they're caught and they hire the criminal defense lawyer, they kind of stay a bit quiet with it, right? They kind of shut it down while they're being represented. Donald Trump is engaged in an insurrection right now. Donald Trump each and every day is trying to overthrow our democracy. He's trying to destroy our economy. He's still trying to cuddle up with foreign authoritarians who wish disaster upon our nation. And that's what makes him unrepresentable. Um, I want to give one more uh, piece of context, and then we got to go on to Rudy Giuliani. You mentioned for a brief moment Stephen Miller's America First Legal. We've gotten a lot of comments about that because it has the letters AF in it. Let's be clear. Stephen Miller is not a lawyer. He's created an organization called the AFL, which has a very official-sounding title to it. And what they do is precisely what you said earlier, Michael Popak, which is they just file basically EEOC letters, which isn't even filing. They send letters for a group of people who claim that they hate what the government does. They send a letter to the government because it's all performative. It's actually going nowhere to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And they write letters targeting corporations, which they claim are too woke. And so what they'll do is they'll look for websites of corporations that talk about initiatives to promote women executives or to promote diverse candidates. And then they'll send the letters to the EEOC saying that that constitutes discrimination against white, white males. Then they will <laughs> put out press releases saying that they've instituted a federal civil rights action against M&M's or Bud Light or you know, BlackRock, you name the organization, they've probably brought one of these. And then they use their right-wing propaganda media echo chamber 
in the Murdoch entities, the Post and Fox, uh, to start writing about federal civil rights case brought against Mars for Eminem, blah, 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 blah. And then that becomes a culture war du jour of the day. And so I wanted to highlight those tactics here. I also want to highlight, of course, what Rudy Giuliani uh, is now going through, uh-huh. and rightfully so, for his abhorrent conduct. We will talk about the four separate lawsuits that Rudy Giuliani was involved in uh-huh. just this week alone, with two of those being new lawsuits brought against uh-huh. Rudy Giuliani. Let's take a quick break. Great. You're a custom oh, member no. of the family. My Lily certainly is. Don't feed them like they're in the doghouse. Give them Gnome Gnome. Gnome Gnome delivers fresh dog food with every side financially and can't pay anybody, including Noelle Dumphy. So she sued him for fillers that contribute. I'm talking about the end of July, beginning of August, when I believe he's ultimately indicted in Georgia for election interference by Fawdy Willis. Put that aside. That's not even, that's not even what we're going to talk about now. Let's start <laughs> with the ones that you and I have done on hot takes and in midweek. You got Noel Dunphy, who filed a New York State Supreme Court, which is a trial-level case, but in state court, under oath, meaning she signed it as a verification under penalty of perjury, that everything in it, all those 250 paragraphs, are true. And she says that she was hired by by Rudy Giuliani, by his law firm slash lobby firm, whatever it's doing these days, for a million-dollar-a-year business development position. But, but really, all Rudy Giuliani wanted to do was to sexually assault her, sexually abuse her, um, be a sexual predator against her, and force her into typical an fucking sexual 